This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! It's time! Time to take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but kind of a big deal on 103.7 the game and welcome everyone to the must listen to saturday morning sports talk show in all of acadiana we're talking about under the dome with cd live on 103.7 the game and 103.7 the game.com on a beautiful saturday morning i know everybody's kind of cooped up but guess what today is it is march the 28th or 328 that day the absolutely positively greatest day in the history of the world because of the fact that it commemorates the time the Atlanta Falcons blew a 28 to 3 lead in the Super Bowl how can we not bring that up on this glorious day hopefully you're having a good one so far i know you may be cooped up but you know this is going to be a brief respite from all that stuff going on. I know there's no March Madness. I'll get to that in a minute, but there's plenty of other things to talk about. The MLB, there's a lot of stuff going on over there. The NBA, what's the future over there? There's a lot of things going on. Saints, free agency, what are they going to do? Are they going to get Cam Newton, as you heard in the two-minute drill? Cam Jordan wanting to get the man, the former Auburn Tiger, the former NFL MVP. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but be an interesting idea to say the least. But when it comes down to it, I'm looking forward to this show. Coming to you live, as always, from the 1037 The Game Studios. You can call us up right now, 337-706-0111. I've got the phone lines open for much of the show. Only two guests on the program today, but they're darn good ones. I'll get to those towards the end of the segment, but I want to kind of start off I mentioned March Madness. I think that's kind of where I want to go to start off the program and talk about the fact that it's starting to hit. It's starting to hit hard, the fact that there is no March Madness. I'll fully admit it. When it was announced that March Madness was canceled, it hit me pretty darn hard because that's weeks where the content snapped into the ether like Thanos walked into Earth and started snapping things out of existence. You should have gone for the head. But to me, it's like you saw this whole thing. And last weekend's show was pretty easy. We were able to kind of distract you from all that with the NFL free agency. Emmanuel Sanders was like was like manna from the heavens for this show right here. I'll tell you that much. But then it really started to hit once I left the 1037 The Game Studios. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that not long after I'm done here, I go grab some lunch and I go back home. I go home and quarantine, basically. The fact that we don't have baseball, we don't have basketball in our lives. Basically, now all I'm doing is want to watch college basketball. March Madness going on. CBS, thankfully, is kind of filling that void with something and filling the void with, like, classic college basketball games. And, you know, I was hoping to, like, I thought about it a couple weeks before. It's like, okay, I get to have a chance to maybe veg out a little bit. I don't think the Cajuns baseball team, softball team are going to be in town, so it'll be very much a weekend where I can 
chillax, and actually watch some college basketball games at the house and be able to enjoy myself. But I'll, I'll say this. This is going to be an interesting analogy, to say the least, when it comes to these like old-school NCAA tournament games because it's somewhat nourishing. It'll fill you up. But you might it's almost like when you get some of that chicken at a gas station in the middle of nowhere where you're not sure if the quality of it is going to be that good. I think that's the big thing is the fact that it'll fill you up, but you might need to make a pit stop on the way back home or wherever you're coming back from, be at work or home or whatever it is. Any of us that have traveled across this great country know that struggle. RP3 and I had that experience all the way back from SEC Media Days last year. I hope there's one in July, but honestly, who knows at this point. And Sunday came and went. It was more the same for me because, mind you, we got I got to see Villanova-UNC spectacular finish again. I remember the first time I saw it, when it happened live, I was with Ben, and we, had, we were at Evangeline Downs for a... March Madness final watch party. And that was a really cool experience for one. And number two, the fact that we saw probably one of the best NCAA tournament final games in recent memory, live with a bunch of people and having a good time. Now it's just like, it's not the same. Well, rewatching it again, it's a great moment in history. And I can remember where I was when that happened. I can remember everything that happened that night. But seeing that again, it was followed by a sinking feeling, you know, of COVID-19 because earlier that day, a stay-at-home order was put in place here in the Pelican State, effective Monday. And then as soon as that game was over, they immediately switched over to Donald Trump and him talking about what's going on with COVID-19 and the latest updates. I was, it, it caused a lot of just like emotions and not the good kind of emotions where you're just like, your stomach's turning a little bit because you just, you just saw something amazing. And then you start hearing all the negativity again. It kind of just perpetuates itself. It's a perpetual motion machine, if you will. And I've absolutely just gotten very much tired of seeing the same thing over and over again and seeing these press conferences every day. I'm sure probably most of you have the daily briefings that we have because it just feels like we're saying the same things over and over again. And it's changed a lot for everybody because, you know, all of us are working from home. Mind you, I'm still in the game studios because of the fact of there's two reasons why. One is because of the fact that, well, I produce this show. I host the show. I book the guests. I do all the sound effects and everything in between. So how can I do that from home? I've been trying to figure that out for a while. Number two is the fact that I have an internet connection that is less than ideal. And, you know, I'm going to not name names, but the provider I have, I can't upgrade. I'm definitely working on a plan for that. In the not too distant future, though, let's be honest. Though no one wants to hear me sound like Max Max Headroom on the air, so this is what I'm doing to give the people a slight reprieve from a world of turmoil and just uncertainty because it's a very fluid situation. I think we can all agree the fact that there's a lot of uncertainty at this point in time about what what the future of sports is, what the future of like live events are. Period. Because you think about it. How much has been canceled, postponed, everything in between? The NCAA tournament's been canceled. The Essence Fest was just postponed. Festival International is canceled for the spring, likely canceled altogether. That's a lot of money being missed from this town. I think there's a lot of things that are going to wind up being changed 
And I saw I was reading a long form the other day about the fact that the future of entertainment industry, because that's the next thing that could wind up changing before too long. What's going to happen there? What's going to happen whenever you have a like what's going to happen there? The MLB, is that going to come back? The NBA, is that going to come back? The NHL, is that going to come back? There's a lot of questions. And what are you going to do to be able to like fulfill what you want to do and be able to play out these championship series and play these out to where you can have a controlled environment and you can make sure these guys are 100% okay and you're able to put this thing together? There's a lot of questions, and we just don't have the answers because it's such a weird situation Personally, I hope it's June. I hope once we get to June, we can have baseball back in our lives, basketball back in our lives, hockey back in our lives, soccer back in our lives. Hopefully, we can have all of our sports back, and then eventually we'll get to football. That's what that's my hope in all this. But at the end of the day, it's just hope. Sometimes you just gotta kind of grit and bear it and deal with it. And I'm just sitting here wondering what's gonna happen with sports, and you know. I've tried my hardest to kind of fill my times with other things. Sleeping, Fortnite, documentary series. Thank you, Viceland, for dropping uh, The Dark Side of the Ring, which if you have not checked that out yet and you're a wrestling fan, go check out the two-parter on um, uh, the Benoit documentary. It is heart-wrenching. It, it definitely is a big gut punch, but it's something you need to go check out. But not having March Madness is a little rough. And out of the fact there's no MLB starting up, this past Thursday was supposed to be the start of it. It's a real punch to the huevos, if you will. Because I'm sitting here, and you know this show well enough. What's on tap, rounding the bases. You know how I like to have the format of the show. Right now, I'd be telling you what's going on this weekend in the world of sports. We'd have possibly LSU in the Elite Eight. Be very tough to do, but it's definitely a possibility that you can think of. Now, you got nothing. You're sitting here right here, right now, listening to this show with no LSU basketball, no LSU baseball, no Astros in terms of new games, but we'll be airing the Astros home opener last year against the Oakland A's right here on 1037 The Game, right after I'm done here, which is really cool stuff, to say the least. That being said, though, not having that is very, very weird. Not having that in our lives is a weird place to be. And no matter what you try and do to kind of fill that, you, you're missing that part of your void. It's like basically, you know, you're, you're not basically, let me put it this way. First day of class back in high school, whenever you go back to school after like spring break or maybe once the, once the school year started and your best friend wasn't there in your first class. And then you find out your best friend like a couple months ago moved over three towns over to where he's going to a whole different high school. Imagine how that would feel. This is what that's like, losing that high school friend who moved three towns over, and now you basically are trying to figure out how to fill that void. Even as I sit here right now, WrestleMania has been taped and in the can for next weekend. It's two nights, and that's had more twists and turns than a storyline that was booked by Vince Russo and M. Night Shyamalan combined. But thankfully, that show, and along with this show, is still going to roll on as planned. Because guess what? Honestly, there's only one person that can do this show. And that is yours truly, the famous CD. Because you've put under the dome with the world famous CD and had a guest host. I don't think it would be anywhere near the same. I've wanted to kind of keep the show going. I was given the option a couple weeks ago to just basically say, I can 
push the show off and put us on hiatus until further notice. I made a decision that I am going to be here for you right here on Acadiana Sports Station, giving you what you want. Because guess what? Like like I'm a, Excalibur says on All Elite Wrestling, you got to give the people what they want, and you got to give the people some great sports content. And that's what I'm going to be giving to you. So enough talk about COVID-19 and all the negativity surrounding Because honestly, it's just sometimes it's taxing to talk about and read about and listen to and watch these press conferences day after day after day. Sometimes you need that brief respite. And that's what this show is. That's what I believe this show is. Because in my mind, I've always thought about it in my head as the Saturday morning cartoon show. You get the sugary cereal where it's just absolute trash for your body. But guess what? You enjoy the hell out of it. It's it's the Lucky Charms. It's the Fruit Loops. It's everything that you love about like Saturday. Remember back in the day whenever you had the Saturday morning cartoons going on and they were popping off all the time? And they had really great Saturday morning cartoon shows back in my day. I don't know, back in my day, I was born in 89, for goodness sakes. But it, the point is still there. Saturday morning, you'd watch the cartoons. This is that Saturday morning cartoon show. This is your, the. I'm not going to say adult version of it because it's really not. I'm a kid at heart. But at the end of the day, I want this show to be a fun space. Basically, you want to have fun with it? We're going to have fun with it. We're going to talk about some serious stuff. But at the same time, we're still going to try and have as much fun fun as possible and that's why i've got two great guests on the show both at the bottom of the hour again the 1037 game hotline will be open when we don't have these guests on 337-706-0111-706-0111 only two guests on the show and first up is gonna be kylie mcdaniel who'll be joining in on the fun to talk about the mlb season and his upcoming book i'll give you some details about that once again around 10 30 and then at 11 30 oh my goodness Steve Lassen, we're bringing him back of Athlon Sports. We're going to talk some college football, but more importantly, we'll talk about what Kirk Herbstreet said about a potentially no college football season and what that could mean. But we'll stick to football for a minute because, honestly, I think everybody wants to hear football and hear what we're talking about when it comes to the world of the NFL. And Roger Goodell, the czar of football, dropped an edict yesterday and i'll talk about that in just a little bit we'll take a quick timeout. be back with more under the dome with cd on acadiana sports station 1037 the game and 1037 thegamecom and if you're listening in i say this go to twitter at clint doming and tweet me out how you're listening to the show be it through alexa smart speaker your mobile app 1037thegame.com, maybe the old school clock radio. If you're out, out on the roads, keeping that social distancing between you and the car in front of you, let me know because I want to know if people are actually listening to the show. You're listening to 1037thegame at 1037thegame.com. Back after this. The numbers don't lie because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. He's fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia and a Sports Station 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 103.7 The Game studios. Got Kylie McDaniel coming up in about, let's say, 10 minutes or so. But hopefully you're enjoying the program. Nonetheless, tweet at me, at Clint Doming, if you have a question. Or better yet, if you are listening live right now, take a picture and let me know how you're listening in. Because I think that's really cool and an awesome social experiment. Is in this in these trying times, you may not be listening on the radio. You may be listening more on the free mobile app. Maybe you're listening in through Alexa. Maybe you're listening through a clock radio that you still have or, or something along those lines. Let us know how you're listening in. Tweet at me at Clint Doming, C-L-I-N-T-D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E. Let me know how you're listening because, hey, why not have a little bit of fun with it? But in the meantime and in between time, I've got a couple minutes to kind of talk about Roger Goodell and his edict, and he dropped one. Simply put, the commissioner of the NFL has a lot more in common with Jordan Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street. The show goes on! The show goes on. Yes, you heard it right. The most hated man in the history of the league did his best Gorbachev impression by imposing his will on the league, saying that the NFL draft would still go on, and anyone in the league that is saying otherwise is being threatened with disciplinary action. My question, if I want want to have the ability to talk to Roger Goodell, I'd ask him a lot of different questions, but more importantly, the question that I'd ask the most is, what does that mean? Is this going to be retroactive? Is this going to be a situation where you could wind up having Mickey Loomis fined for what he said? I believe it was on the Peter King podcast, basically saying he'd like the thing to be pushed back. He wants this thing to be pushed back because it's not like you're doing a fantasy draft. Has a lot of different questions. So right now, I think that he's probably the most hated man in the in the league. Bottom line, and this is another reason why. And if Mickey Loomis does get fined, I hope to God he pays the fine in pennies. Yes, you're right. Paying that thing in pennies would be the most baller move of all time. It'd be a perfect opportunity to just throw as much shade as humanly possible towards Roger Goodell. That being said, it'd be pretty tough to do these days. But if like, if this happens, like the man deserves to get booed worse than Roman Reigns the night after WrestleMania. I hope this is what we hear, like piped in somehow, some way, on the ESPN and Fox broadcasts on one on for their stuff. Because I swear to God, I need to hear. Fans booing him like nobody else. Because I think that's the biggest thing that's like frustrating to me is I think that may be why Roger Goodell is doing this. Hear me out here, folks. Imagine you're the commissioner, and every time you go up to that podium on the Thursday night, the first round of the NFL draft, and you hear this, and you hear it. You hear the boos. You hear all those boos from the countless fans and in Vegas, you probably hear him a whole lot more. You probably be hearing some stuff like this. I think that would definitely be where we're at. It's like you'd have these fans booing him, probably yelling some obscenities at him because people do not like him. That's the biggest thing I'm very frustrated about because the fact that Roger Goodell will not be booed for the first time in years by the fan base. 
People are going to be video conferencing from their war room, and when you get the pick in, you'll see Roger Goodell in his office and not a single fan giving him what for. It's not American is what it is. I'd push back the draft to mid-May, have this bad boy in Vegas so we could see the great Joe Burrow make his way to the podium via boat, as all kings should be. I'd probably also push back the season two weeks, eliminate preseason, because there's no point of it happening in the world-famous CD's universe. So we need the fans to boo Roger Goodell and yell obscenities at him, even if it's from their TV screen, because people hate Roger Goodell. I think I hate Roger Goodell even more every time I mention his name, because he is a no-good jabroni. He is a jabroni and probably one of the worst ones in the history books. I'd probably say the Carolina Hurricanes owner is definitely a bigger bleep hole because of the fact of what he was did with them, uh, the full-time employees, allegedly. Allegedly, full-time employees are not being paid during this time where they're not working with the NHL. That is unacceptable. If that's true, that is unacceptable, and everybody should be getting paid. Like if you're full-time in that kind of situation, you should be getting paid at least something. At least something. Not just completely like not paying you and potentially probably maybe firing you when this is all said and done. It's absolutely frustrating, and I am just shocked that that's actually a thing that we're talking about. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. Kylie McDaniel joining the program next. We're going to talk some MLB, some of the changes to this shortened season, and maybe we'll talk a little bit of Boston Red Sox as well because it looks like the investigation involving the Sox is finally done. So what's going to happen with that one? We'll talk about that and more next right here on 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. The famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United supporters. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia and a sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 103.7 The Game studios. And right now, we've got on the game hotline right now. We'll get to that with some quickness because why not? We're not going to waste any more time and get to some MLB talk with a baseball insider for ESPN. He's also co-author of the book Future Value, which is due out in April. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. We're talking to Kylie McDaniel. Kylie, how's it going? Doing good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on. Let's start off with the MLB MLBPA agreement that came out a couple days ago, and the fact that players will receive a full year of service time. Now, for those at home who might not understand what all that means, could you break it down for us as to what that means, and does this apply to all levels, not just the guys in the show, but the guys in AAA, AA, and single A, even the the short season single A leagues. Uh, so the way uh, baseball does their contracts is when you reach the big leagues, based on how many days you're in the big leagues, we either get a partial or full year of service. And then once you reach six full years of service, uh, you go to free agency, which is you know when you see the Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, um, you know Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon type deals, the big money for the guys that are generally anywhere from 27 to 32 the first time they reach free agency, depending on when they get to the big leagues. Um, and so what the players are fighting for is there are players that are on the verge of free agency, J.T. Real Muto, Mookie Betts, uh, probably the uh, the best example of this. 
so that even if there are no games played this year, they're going to hit free agency as though they get a full year of service this year. And so what the Players Union was negotiating with the league was we are, as the Players Union, uh, the agents, the players, that sort of thing, they were willing to give up a bunch of concessions in terms of the draft, how the players in the draft will get paid, uh, allow the owners a little bit of uh, easier cash flow by uh, deferring bonuses, things like that we can get to later. But in return for that, the big thing they got was all the players that played a full season in the the big leagues last year get a full year of service, so they continue their march toward free agency, which means if there are no games played this year, the Dodgers paid a dear price for Mookie Betts and won't get any games with him. He'll just become a free agent before playing for them. Um, And there was also, uh, I believe it was a $175 million fund, and that is to cover the games that aren't played. So if there are no games then all the players have to split that up for the whole season. But if we miss just two months, then that's the amount of money that the players will split up for just those two months that they weren't paid. And then when the games start being played, they will be paid their full freight. Now, like you brought up Mookie Betts. Isn't that like the weirdest scenario ever to where you give up pretty much everything to get this guy aboard and hypothetically, you could very well not be able to use him at all? Yeah, no, there was a quote from Andrew Friedman yesterday, and he said, we considered a lot of different scenarios when it came to trading for Mookie Betts, and we did not consider a global pandemic that would shut down the entire season. Like, no matter how, um, you know, circumspect you want to be in projecting all these different scenarios, like, obviously, this has never happened before in the, in the modern era. Uh, and, and the other part is, uh, my colleague Jeff Hassan has explained this one, that L.A. was supposed to have the All-Star game this year, which also may not happen. Uh, so uh, there was some thought amongst executives that if there was going to be a neutral um, neutral site playoff series or World Series due to some of the teams that qualify for the playoffs having stadiums where they can't have fans out there, that L.A. would be the leading candidate because they're you know sort of indirectly uh, getting screwed over by this Mookie Betts thing through no fault of their own, but they're sort of directly getting screwed over from the money they would have made from the All-Star game also getting canceled. So they sort of – and also, you know, if they're L.A., it's – Chavez Ravine, like all the different reasons, like it would seem that they jumped at the top of the list of teams that will get helped out, which I'm sure some small market teams are not super happy about. Talk right now with Kylie McDaniel, baseball insider for ESPN. And this is a fluid situation and will need to be reevaluated as the weeks and months progress. But in your mind, right here, right now, how long until we see baseball make its return for the regular season? I mean, that's anybody's guess at this time. Uh, if you want to be super optimistic, I think some people feel like there is a chance you could have a short spring training and sort of start ramping stuff up toward the end of May and then have games played in stadiums, maybe with or without fans in June, and then by July kind of be rocking and rolling full speed. There are also some people that just think there's no chance they're ever going to play a game this year and that most of the NFL season uh, going into the fall is going to be gravely affected, at least with fans, if not the games themselves being canceled. So it seems like the, you know, the error bar here in terms of projecting this is essentially like we could play most of the season or none of the season, uh, and maybe even the Arizona Fall League and all that stuff gets canceled, and maybe some of the NFL season gets canceled. Um, so there's still like a lot of uncertainty here, which I think is why um, uh, part of the agreement between the Players Association and the league sort of built in a lot of flexibility in terms of the draft will be this many rounds. But if we get a bunch of games in, it could be more rounds. And the players will get this much for the two months we think we're going to miss. But if we miss the whole season, it'll provide for that also because they want to have one agreement that can handle all the different situations. And I like the fact that they actually took the time to try and figure out that agreement before kind of we, we got to opening day. I, I like the fact that, we, that the MLB finally got around to doing that. But I've also heard a lot of possibility about 
playing seven inning doubleheaders to fulfill that 162 game slate as much as you can, obviously, because it seems like you have to play triple headers, and that is almost damn near impossible when you think about it. But playing seven inning doubleheaders is that one of the more irresponsible things you've heard of? I mean, it depends, like what angle you're looking at it from from a fan's perspective. You're you're not quite getting the full experience you want of you know showing up to the park at you know, five o'clock and then kind of eat dinner, watch batting practice. You get the whole game, you get nine innings, the whole deal. And in this scenario, it'd be a lot of, you know, one o'clock start, shortened game, other games at four, um, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, where it's not going to be the full experience. But if you'll get it from the player's perspective, even the agent's perspective, obviously the teams, uh, they're like getting payments from ESPN, various other places on a TV deal. And if they don't get all these games in, they've got to either give a credit and get part of the season in 2021 for free or they got to pay that money back. Like there's, you know, Scott Boris, uh, super agent has, uh, characteristically been heated about all this from his perspective. He's got a huge overhead with the organization, agency, office, all that sort of stuff of over a hundred employees. And he thought he had guaranteed commissions coming in to set his budget around. And now at least a third, if not the entire season, um, will get axed and then players will be making the minimum from this fund that MLB provided. And they're not going to take, um, commissions on that. So he could go an entire year with a huge company and huge overhead of making no money, and then obviously from from the owner's perspective, like the most games they can get in, the better. And in terms of like the gate and TV contract and things like that, like ideally you'd like every game to be seven o'clock national television at night, sold out crowd. But if you can get to you know eighty one games by doing a bunch of double headers and stringing stuff together, at least these contracts are getting close enough to fulfill that you're not going to be financially in the hole five years from now trying to pay all this stuff back. Exactly. You don't want a whole lot of Bobby Bonilla days being spread out throughout the entire Major League Baseball organization. But one of the other things that I was that I've heard about is there a likelihood where the World Series could be played in the month of December, or is that just like pure like poppycock? And very well, if if it comes down to that situation, the season might be canceled. Uh, possibly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much, uh, discussion has been had about how deep it'll go. I think there's going to be a lot of playing it by ear. Like I had a lot of scouts checking in with me yesterday after the agreement came down and they were like, well, it said the draft could be as early as the original date, which is June 10th and could go as late as July 20th. So, you know, that, um, you know, months change. If I'm going into pre-draft meetings, going into a team's, uh, a player's house, like discussing stuff with him, setting up our schedule and our draft board, like that's a really big gap for there possibly being games, possibly not being games, preparation, all those sorts of things. When are we going to know? And I'm like, I went through the agreement. Like it doesn't say. It just says let's, the commissioner will decide and let teams know with like enough uh, notice. And that's kind of how the the you know wording around the games is set up, which is you know we'll wait until the CDC and all these different organizations like give us the go ahead that we can have you know, fans, and it'll be safe, and we'll consider double headers. we'll consider a lot of things. Obviously, the World Series has, like, run into November before, so running into December isn't insane, but what if it's, you know, Minnesota versus Boston, and it's, like, snowing outside? Well, that's when a neutral site, even if you can have fans, may make more sense, especially L.A. Um, so there's a bunch of, like, scenarios where there's so many scenarios, it seems silly even to, like, write an article or try to go through all of them, because I'm sure the one that will happen is one we're not considering right now. Exactly. It feels like you got to be Doctor Strange to somehow, some way, be able to come up with the idea of all these. Because I'm sure there's like nine billion different scenarios, and one of these is what's going to happen. And you're trying to figure it all out. But you brought up the MLB draft a little bit earlier. They could be as few as five rounds, according to the agreement. Do you see there being like a five rounds, or could this be a little bit more than the minimum? Because you can about imagine this could wind up causing a big 
logjam, especially if the NCAA approves these um, um, hardship waivers, I guess you would call it, to where a lot of these players, their their red shirts are still going to be available from that season, and very uh, that could cause a lot of like logjam. Yeah, the, there's going to be a, a vote on Monday with Division One Council um, deciding what will happen in terms of adjustments to uh, getting an extra year of eligibility, which has already been, I guess, proposed but hasn't been officially ratified, uh, and then also scholarship relief and roster limit relief. Uh, the, the assumption from the Power 5 coaches I've talked to is that only seniors will get relief. Uh, so rather than a junior coming back and being a junior again, he'll just be a senior. Um and then also the teams will get uh, the um, programs will get scholarship relief for just those seniors, and they'll get seniors plus a couple more spots in terms of roster relief. So they're going to try to keep those teams in pocket enough because there was some talk there might be you know completely unlimited for at least a year roster and scholarship limits. In which case there could be you know LSU could have seventy players on the roster and then have like a real tough time trying to get down the next year. I think the NCAA wants to kind of keep things as normal as possible and just account for seniors are coming back, but otherwise things should be going about the same. Um, but, yeah, the draft will be uh, – the, the wording is in there that it's the commissioner's discretion, that it can go as low as five, and the expectation is five is what it's at right now. It'll stay at five, but if we can get, say, a month or more than a month of amateur competition for college, high school, junior college players in, then he'll probably expand it to ten – but he wants to have the option to bring it to five in the case that we're all stuck in our houses on draft day and we, nobody's moved and no games have happened and no, no workouts have happened because if you look at both the amount of information the teams have, they're comfortable if you ask the you know, bottom five teams with, that are least prepared for the draft. I imagine they would say five rounds is what they're comfortable with. The teams that are most prepared want to do 40 rounds. But then also the owners, they're going to have no money coming in and out of them. There's no amateur competition. That means there's no pro competition. And so they're going to be low on cash flow. They'll probably be fine. What they're talking about is a couple million dollars, which is not much to these guys. But they ended up giving the big leaguers kind of what the big leaguers wanted. And so they really took it to the amateurs because the amateurs are not technically represented by the union. They get to negotiate it, but none of the amateur players are in the union. So the way it always works is the, you know, the players' union and the agents and the lawyers all decide what do we want to get for the big leaguers, and then the owners get to decide what they want to do to the draft in the international signing period, and they typically get what they want. And Kyle, I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, your book coming out next month, Future Value, The Battle for Baseball Soul, and How Teams Will Find the Next Superstar. Why don't you give us a little detail about this book coming out next month? Uh, yeah, so the sort of concept was when Moneyball, the book, came out 15 years ago, um, scouts were wary of what teams were going to do in response to this. They thought they were going to get replaced by analysts and statistics. And what happened was the opposite. Like, actually, there, most teams added more scouts. Uh, because it turns out that at the lower levels of the minors in college and high school, scouting reports are more predictive than just looking at surface numbers like on base percentage, walk rate, things like that. There's a little bit of value to be had, but you couldn't replace a scout with that stuff. The difference now is because of TrackMan, StatCast, uh, you know, bat sensors, all these different sorts of radar-based technologies especially, uh, you can have uh, intimate data of every pitch thrown at every field. And the idea that you could have every pitch that a guy in double-A throws down to the you know tenth of an inch on the entire flight of every ball, or you can have a scout go there for five days and tell you what he saw, it's like, okay, there's obviously like a lot of added value there. And if a team is inclined to want to cut their scouting staff and outsource this to their front office and have this plan, let's go through it. They don't have the ammunition to replace those scouts. And so now that that thing that scared scouts 15 years ago is happening, uh, 
uh, Eric and I, uh, who I worked with at Fangrass uh, before coming to ESPN, we decided to write a book with like three sort of major sections about how this is happening now. And the first section is about the draft in July 2, all the strategies that go into it, and like dozens of stories from scouting directors about who they signed, how, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, there's another section about uh, statistics, like how things were in Moneyball, how they are now, and how teams are sort of making these decisions and creating metrics where you can create a fastball the same way a scout would without having anyone at the ballpark. And then the last section is if you want to scout or be a scout work for a team or you just want to learn how to scout from your couch, we spent almost 100 pages and we have a companion website that goes with the book so you can sort of see visual examples of what we're talking about and just teach you how to scout from soup to nuts. And, you know, obviously it's a time without sports. It's a time without baseball. Opening weekend was supposed to be this weekend. What have you been kind of doing to fill the time? It's funny. I've actually been uh, at least as busy, if not more busy now than I was before because uh, I mean, my schedule is like a lot of work from home and then travel. And so in the off season, not as much travel. There's, you know, winter meetings, a couple things like that. Uh, and then during the season, I'm gone pretty much every weekend going to college and high school games and gone a little bit during the week, depending on how the schedule works out. So I'm basically just back on my off-season schedule where I'm not traveling and working from home. And the adjustment is instead of talking to scouts and executives about the draft, which you can do a lot of it in one day and then take a couple days off from that and write some things, uh, I now have scouts and executives calling me asking me, hey, is the season going to get canceled? Are we going to have a draft? Like. <laughs> Can you, you know, write something and illuminate us on what's going on because our owner's not telling us anything? Uh, so it actually ends up I'm on the phone like a little bit more, and there's kind of more, more pressing and interesting information than also uh, doing um, some press around the book as well. Uh, so it's keeping me pretty busy. And now that we have an agreement and we sort of understand how things are going, I think it might be a little bit slower now just because now we're just waiting for the games to happen again. I think all of the sort of behind-the-scenes business has been taken care of. Kylie, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Good luck with the book coming out next month. Yep, thanks for having me on. All right, that was Kylie McDaniel. You can follow him on Twitter, Kylie McD. That's K-I-L-E-Y-M-C-D. So check him out on Twitter if you love baseball. Great conversation, and the interesting part of it is I wanted his thoughts on the situation concerning the MLB draft, and more importantly, that was kind of the big thing that I was looking at was the five rounds, potentially as as few as five rounds. I'll talk about that next to wrap up our number one. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. From the preps. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. To the pros. Kick ass on one. Ready? And everywhere in between. Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon. It's close enough to Saturday afternoon for you. And interestingly enough, I saw this pop up because, you know, when I'm doing the show live, I like to see how many people are listening online and whatnot. And I've got somebody in Miami listening to the show. So shout out to you in the 305. Maybe it's Mr. Worldwide, Pitbull. That'd be really cool. Pitbull, if you're listening, holla. But I'm absolutely loving what's going on. You can call us up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111, with the MLB and their MLB draft. And the report says 
that they're going to reduce the number of rounds to as few as five. As you heard, I I was able to I just talked to Kylie McDaniel. If you missed the interview, we'll have it up online at uh, 1037thegame.com before we before too long, probably not long after the show wraps up. But it'll take place. It'll not be held in Omaha, Nebraska, but it's going to be the first time that we see it held possibly in conjunction with the College World Series without it. But it's it's weird situation. But it's interesting just to see how this whole thing turns out. More so because of certain players. And one player in particular I'm thinking about is Hayden Cantrell. What goes on with him? Because if you're an undrafted rookie, you are going to be able to sign a deal for twenty grand. That ain't enough to get anybody to join up with your team. That's not going to work for anybody. I don't think that's going to work for a single soul on this planet. So I think it's a mistake. It's a joke. It's almost a sham to see that be a thing that people are talking about right here, right now. So I'm saying that you possibly move this draft to July and you have it be five rounds and guys like Hayden Cantrell, a lot of the LSU players, they could very well be moving up and being and having another year instead of having a chance to apply their trade in the MLB and exit early. Because I think if Hayden Cantrell started turning things around, I legitimately think he has a solid chance of being like, let's say, a first 10-round draft pick. He's got a chance to do that, but now it could very well be only five rounds, and that leaves a big back – you have like a log jam of people – that are now going to be going to college baseball. A lot of freshmen that were going to be highly touted, a lot of those guys could very well be in college and go to their go to the university of their choice to make sure they can apply their trade for a couple of years and then jump over. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of stuff going on. And also, the fact, there's not as much film now this year because high school baseball is just getting started here in the Acadian area. Cajuns baseball, LSU baseball is about to start conference play the weekend when this all started and it's just a weird situation it's still gonna be fluid we'll talk about it more down the road but it makes you wonder what's gonna happen to certain players and their future we'll be back after this 1037 the game 1037thegame.com you're listening under the dome with cd hour two of two coming up and it's gonna be very very different This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! Time to take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome everyone. Hour two of two of Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you're having a solid Saturday afternoon. And guess what? Right after we're done here, we had some Major League Baseball classic to re-air here on Acadiana Sports Station. Thanks to the, 
I got to give a special shout out. You know, this is just me showing some love to a good brother in the business, and that is Matt Bolts of the Houston Astros Radio Network. Earlier this week, he sent an email out to me on, I think it was on Monday, about Astros Pod that we, Astro Pod that we're going to start airing every Wednesday. I think we need to air it maybe twice a week. Personally, I think that would be a great idea. But that being said, I love the fact that we're airing Astropod, but he also got in touch about re-airing some classic games. Thursday night we played the Astros combined at No-No from August 3rd, and tomorrow we're going to re-air the Astros no-hitter from Justin Verlander against the Toronto Blue Jays, and that was like such a great cap-off to I, I think that weekend was really good for sports in general. I, I can remember that one vividly. And wound up like switching over to my TV, like as soon as as quickly as I could find a feed of that game because I was rushing to get to a MLB Network. Somehow, some way, I was going to watch the end of that ball game because I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be awesome!" Because it, it you knew the no no was happening happening. So we'll air that tomorrow at one. But right after we're done, Oakland A's the the Astros home opener from last year against the Oakland A's will be right here. At noon. Because we like you like that. We want you to have fun with us. And I'm looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward to talking with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. Spend an hour number two talking about what what's going to happen with the future of college football. With this COVID-19. Will there be a 2020 season? That's the most important question. And if not, is LSU the two-time college football playoff national champs. I like to think so. But speaking of that, I saw this pop up yesterday on Twitter, and that is from Barrett Salee, good guy, part of CBS Sports HQ. And he called it college football if then. And he started with if Rich Rodriguez took the Alabama job, then Alabama's most recent national title would be 1992. I'd agree with that. And a bunch of people threw in some, some really good ones. I'm not going to lie. They had some really fun ones, like if the BCS hadn't unrightfully placed Notre Dame in the 2013 national title, Manti Teo probably, would probably still have a personal life if Auburn doesn't give up two late touchdowns to Virginia Tech in 2005. Sugar Bowl, they would have been co-champs, eh, you know, whatever. But if the referees interviewed kick six, Bam would have had a three-peat. Again, a lot of these are real interesting if-thens. But mine might be the most interesting of them all. Especially when it comes to LSU teams. And here's mine. What if Jimbo Fisher did go to LSU? Of course, he wanted him going to Texas A&M. But I'm going to go back in time and break this down like a fraction. Because I can remember everything about this. The rumors, the innuendo, not long after the Alabama game. So let, let's let's start there. Everything goes as it was, where Alabama, where they lose to Alabama, thirty to sixteen, and then get kind of whipped by Arkansas, thirty-one fourteen, and then they're on the road against Ole Miss, in like a mid-afternoon game, losing thirty-eight to seventeen, and. This is right whenever the Jimbo Fisher rumors are at their hottest. It's pretty much 212 degrees Fahrenheit. It is boiling, people. But my thing is, 
and everybody wound up not being true. I could have gone on Tom Herman, but I feel like Jimbo Fisher is the one that everybody talks about. It's the one that got away, the chasing Amy, if you will. So this is where we're at. After losing three straight games, the hot seat for Les Miles is on fire. And Joe Oliva, in this fantasy world that I'm living in, isn't a complete moron and doesn't bungle this situation up and then fire Les Miles after the Auburn game. He fires him, win or lose, after the A&M game. There's no, there's no carrying him off the field. There's no third quarter kind of realization, hey, we're not going to fire him. They fire him after that game, no matter what happens. LSU still wins 19-7 to over Texas A&M, but they let him go. And they wind up going in a different direction with the head coaching job. Immediately, within a few days, they get Jimbo Fisher. They get Jimbo Fisher to come aboard. No need for an interim head coach like they did in the real world. So you don't have Ed Ogeron be the interim head coach and become the full-time coach. You have Jimbo Fisher become the head coach, and he pretty much changes the entire complexion of the team of the coaching staff, all the way around. And I say, if Jimbo Fisher did go to LSU, Joe Burrow doesn't transfer to LSU. Now, where does he transfer? I think the million-dollar question is, where does he transfer? I think he's going to land in the Conference of Dixie still, but he lands somewhere entirely different. Because I think... He lands in Florida. I think again, this is pure fantasy. This is fantasy booking at its finest. But I think if you have everything else happen the way things were in the real world, and you see LSU fall below expectations in the first year under Jimbo Fisher, and you see this team kind of like not necessarily be able to get themselves underneath, and then there's all of a sudden a quarterback available, a and you're able to have a guy like Danny Etling around for that 2016 season. You're able to get him to come over because that's I mean he was already transferred over. And you have him play that next season. And he does pretty decently. He does pretty darn good. And he does well again in 2017, but it's just not quite enough when you really think about it. Danny Etling was good, but not great. That's what everybody's going to be talking about. Is he's he's good, but not quite great my thing is and I'm just going to throw it out there I think LSU struggles with Jimbo Fisher because it's a whole new coaching staff it's a whole new regime it's a whole new culture and then we see the whole thing flip the script has been flipped and you wonder what the hell is going on like why why haven't we seen LSU to the levels that we expected it to Jimbo Fisher gets put on the hot seat in his second or third year because of the fact that he hasn't been able to recruit at the level that he that he's wanting to. Yes, he's had experience in the state of Louisiana, but I feel like the fact that he was away from it for so long, he starts to go towards those inroads that he started to build when he was at Florida State and isn't able to kind of keep up with the Joneses. Now, LSU doesn't look as sexy of a job. LSU doesn't look quite as great of a gig for somebody like that. Matt Canada 
who joined LSU not long after Coach O took over. Matt Canada stays aboard because Coach O and Matt Canada don't butt heads because Coach O is no longer there. I'm going to get to Coach O in the next segment because there's something that I thought about and I realized there's one thing that could change with the situation of the event. If Jimbo Fisher does go to LSU, Joe Burrow doesn't transfer to LSU. He goes to Florida instead because Dan Mullen has the ability to show him, hey, like I'm not necessarily sold on Felipe Franks. Come on down to Florida and you can wind up doing some great things. And I think with Dan Mullen at the helm, Florida becomes one of the most has one of the best teams since the Tim Tebow days back in the early 2000s and I think that winds up making the SEC East the the power shift towards the University of Florida and the SEC East and the SEC as a whole and things become more entertaining in the SEC title games between Alabama and Florida in 2018 and 2019 and I think Florida very well wins that 2019 version because it's not the same Alabama team that we've seen in the past. And, of course, everything else in the real world does happen. Tua Viloa does injure, injure his hip, and he's out for the year. Jalen Hurts does transfer to Oklahoma. There's a lot of things that do happen in this alternate reality that are similar, but you take one piece out, it's a butterfly effect. A butterfly effect. There we go. So, to me, you lose out on Joe Burrow. Now you've got to roll with Miles Brennan after Danny Etling finally decide, finally leaves after being a grad transfer from Purdue. What happens next is anybody's guess, but I think we see LSU continue to struggle little by little until eventually LSU fires Jimbo Fisher after this past season because of the fact that he was 7-5. and five. The Heat was placed directly on him, and he just was not able to build LSU up. Now, what happens after that is anybody's guess. I think you want to probably try to get somebody like a Billy Napier. You you poach Billy Napier, and you have him instill that culture and instill that vision that he's wanted for a long, long time in a Power 5 program. I think this team could be on another level five, six years down the road, but that's future talk because we just don't know what's going to happen what the names are going to be like down that road. But again, just think about those three or four years. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimbo Fisher, if he was the head coach at LSU, he doesn't do the amount of stuff that we've seen Ed Ogeron do. And I'll get back to Ed Ogeron in the next segment. I guarantee that because I think he's kind of the big key in all this. And I'll explain why I think a lot of you who are listening are probably going to understand completely where I'm coming from with this. But I think when you look Everything involving the college football world, if Jimbo Fisher goes to LSU, then we see Joe Burrow go to Florida and doesn't go to LSU. Because I don't think Cincinnati was ever an option. Cincinnati would would have been fun for him, but he wouldn't have won a national title. He sure as hell wouldn't have won a Heisman. He wants to be able he wanted to put himself in the best position possible to not only win a natty and win a Heisman, but put himself in position to be a number one pick. And I think being in the system with Dan Mullen would have helped him out a lot. And I think that team would have been really fun to watch this past season in this fantasy booking world that I'm in. I might try and do more of these down the road, but I think that's the one where I just immediately was like, yeah, I got to do this. 
And I love how some of the replies went because this like this one wound up going. This is one of those tweets that I put out that wound up going like a little bit gangbusters. And somebody brought up Clemson becomes a dynasty and the fan base becomes insufferable. And eh, sometimes they're just insufferable regardless. You don't need it to be a whole. I, I'm still laughing about this. It's the fact that everybody was like, you know, they're insufferable fan base. Every dynasty has one. At the end of the day, I think Clemson was kind of already starting to become like a dynasty, become one of the more consistent teams and one of the top dogs in the NCAA. And it's Alabama and Clemson. You kept seeing those year after year. It was going to become a situation like the Warriors and the Cavs for those four or five years. It wasn't going to be a whole situation. I think it would be really cool, but it's just not going to be as entertaining as, say, you watching the national champion LSU Tigers win it all and shock the world. Because they did shock the world there. But we'll take a quick timeout. I'm going to give you the reason why I think Coach O is the big kind of like what if in all this. Because there's something that I didn't mention in there. I, I mentioned that he got rid of a lot of the coaching staff. But there could there could be one thing Jimbo Fisher did different to where the alternate universe would be a lot more successful. I'll talk about that next you're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com. And we are back. And again, I'm having fun with this show because honestly, sometimes you just got to have fun and hypotheticals are what's hot in the streets right now. So why not have a little bit of fun and look at the what if situation of what if Jimbo Fisher did go to LSU? And he didn't stay at FSU and then eventually go to AM. What would happen there? I think he underwhelms. He underperforms because of one reason, one reason only. He does not have Joe Burrow. I think also you have the fact that the team just doesn't necessarily click as well. You don't see him recruit like you expect him to. As he's missing one guy, Ed Ogeron, who he let go not long after all this started. He let him go. Ed Ogeron is no longer part of LSU in this hypothetical storyline. So my thought process is this. Joe Burrow still goes to LSU if Ed Ogeron is still a coach at LSU. He doesn't have to be the head coach. doesn't have to be the head honcho. This has to be the guy to sell him and sell a lot of other players on what LSU means and, and make sure these guys are there. And in my world, I think that's probably the one thing that I kind of didn't take account for is Ed Ogeron. 
You've heard the story many a time about when he was at USC and Pete Carroll took over. Coach O was the only one that was still working, still recruiting, working while he waited to steal a phrase from the late Tony Robo show. He worked while he waited, and you know what happened? He, he was able to keep his job. Everybody else got fired except for Coach O, who started recruiting again and was able to kind of get some really good guys and set up USC for a lot of greatness. And yeah, sure, you know, Pete Carroll was a bit of a scummy guy, but at the end of the day, what Ed Ogeron was able to do there paid off in spades. And we saw that happen time and again. Him working for LSU was his dream job no matter what he was doing. He could have been mopping floors. probably be happy about it. He'd be working at LSU. But he would still be the defensive line coach. He'd be one of their head recruiters. And he'd be the guy to get Joe Burrow to come over. Because he'd tell him, hey, we got some stuff going on here that you need to be a part of. You've, you've got a chance to start here, you've got a chance to do something amazing here at LSU. Now, does Joe Burrow win a Heisman Trophy, win a national title? That's kind of where it all is. I'm like, does this still happen? If it, if it's not Ed Ogeron and Derek Panamski bringing in the binder and not having the opportunity to pitch the binder, if the binder doesn't exist, then where are you at? There's a lot of different questions but I think Joe Burrow has a successful career at LSU with Jimbo Fisher, but it's not to the degree that we've seen. Because I've talked about it a lot in the past, and people have always asked me, is, is Coach O, like, what's the hot seat for Coach O? Coach O will not be on the hot seat anytime soon. Unless this team goes like 0-11 like one year, or basically they, they fall well below the mark. That's when I think the hot seat will be on Coach O. But I still think the fact that one of those things, I I don't know what was in that binder, but I think one of the big things he was looking at was what year will I have an opportunity to be the man here? And I think you look at what he did. It took three years. First full year at LSU, he was able to kind of start setting things up. And then he managed to get a big fish out of the Ohio State to come over. That was something huge that maybe not everybody was sure was going to happen. Was sure it would have been that big of a deal. We talked about it. Ad nauseum on the station about Joe Burrow. What's this mean for LSU? Turns out it meant a whole lot. But I think it was the fact that Coach O was building towards that third year because he was pretty much setting himself up. He, he was the right guy at the right time. And everything worked out the way it needed to be in the long run. I don't think Tom Herman would have done a whole lot of good here. Look at Tom Herman now at the University of Texas. He's a great group of five coach. P5 is a different level. It's a different world, especially when you're up against the Oklahomas, the Baylors, the Texas Techs. And you're up against a lot of these different programs or you're having to kind of keep up with them, and it's hard to do. For me, I think that I, I'm just telling you this right now. I am loving what's going on with LSU over the last couple of years because of the fact that it was all building towards this. And now Coach O pretty much runs the entire state. We have him doing PSAs about making sure you cough in your elbow instead of in your hands and sneeze in your elbow. Honestly, I think I would – I would hope people have been doing the the sneezing and the elbow stuff for a while. 
I, I would hope that would be the case. But that being said, I, I'm absolutely loving this like, hypothetical stuff. I've got one that I've been just kind of keeping in the back pocket for a long time, and that is the what if Nick Saban was still with the Dolphins? If he stayed with the Dolphins when that coaching when that Alabama job was available, what would have happened there? It's something I've got in the back pocket. I probably won't throw it out there day one, but I think it's something worth talking about. But we'll do that a little bit later down the road. But we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we got Steve Lassen coming on the program. Talk a little CFB and the possibility of a college football season in 2020. Talk with Tim about that and a whole lot more right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys are 11. Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia a Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And we're going to get to the 103.7 The Game hotline with a bit of quickness when we talk to Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports because we got to get into some college football talk because, honestly, Kirk Herbstreit definitely poked the hornet's nest with what he talked about the other day. I believe this was on their radio stations, and that was – the fact that there could be no college football in 2020, that's at least what he thinks. And I've obviously got a lot of questions about that. But, of course, let's get to Steve Lassen right now. Steve, what's going on, brother? Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you again. It's been a while. The last time we talked, you know, LSU was celebrating the national championship. It feels like it's been a year ago, but really it's not that long. So hope you and all your listeners are staying safe during this time. And uh, fingers crossed we'll get to the 2020 season uh, here soon exactly i think that's definitely one of the big things we're all kind of concerned about is the 2020 college football season it's a fluid situation right here right now i know keith gill he was on a teleconference the other day basically said they're already kind of surveying the coaches to see what the game plan is i believe the sec is doing virtual coaching now i don't know how that's gonna go are basically you're gonna have all these you have like like all 100 something players all in like a Zoom session, and then you've got the coach there. It, it's it's very much a weird situation right now. It really is. I mean, this is just uncertain, unknown territory for coaches, players, and, and really everyone. I mean, I cannot find another situation like this that we've had to go through where spring practice for, you know, I think 128 of the 130 teams could not be finished. And so, you know, you start to see that domino effect. How does it affect new coaches? What could it mean for teams changing offenses, new quarterbacks? You're starting to see the SEC allow coaches to meet with players. So we're starting to get a sense of how this could play out the next few weeks. We'll, we may start to see, you know, more coaches, more players, more interaction, and certainly going to help some of those teams. You know, I think the big question that we all are kind of wondering is, 
you know, at some point, what's the cutoff to things are things are kind of back to normal. We can have a fall practice. We can have a season. And, and when you see the Olympics um, get canceled into August, you know, you start to worry a little bit. So I think we're all just kind of in that unknown territory where, you know, it, it seems like a year ago, but it was just two weeks ago that the NCAA tournament was canceled. So I'm just trying to be optimistic that in another month we'll have a little better grasp of things, and by then hopefully we'll have a better picture that the 2020 season will still be able to be played in its entirety. Yeah, it was about two weeks ago. We went up on, on March 11th was when everything changed, when we saw that was about two and a half weeks ago, Steve, the fact we had um, – uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell both tested positive for COVID-19, and then you see everything else kind of change virtually overnight. And my question to you is, Steve, if Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and a bunch of other players from the NBA did not contract COVID-19, could the NCAA tournament be happening right now? Man, that's a great question. You certainly wonder. I mean, it's almost like I think it was this, about the same time that Tom Hanks um, had tested positive, yep. uh, you know, and in the NBA news, and that's when it kind of hit that, you know, this is real. You start to see things like that happening, and you see the NBA being canceled. Um, you know, I think at that point, that's when it hit home, and that's when you started to see the domino effect. You know, could the NCAA tournament have been played without fans? Had it maybe had maybe the kind of epidemic been going on a smaller scale? You know, maybe I think at this point, though, I think the smart thing to do, you know, even as a sports fan who, who you know, we all want to see the tournament, I think any time in a situation like this, it's better to be safe and to minimize the risk. And so I think as, as much as it, it was painful for fans to not have the tournament this year, I think it was the right call at the end of the day. It's just too much risk. And, you know, we all have to do our part to, to move the ball forward and hopefully we can get to the fall where everything is under better control and get to the football season and have a complete football season. Talk right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. I think that was like the best case scenario for like it, it sucked just to see it happen to a guy like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And now it comes out Doris Burke tested positive for COVID-19. It's just crazy to think how much like that one moment affected everything we see the MLB pushed back their season. You brought it up earlier, the Olympics. They're being postponed to August of next year, and that brings up a lot of interesting things. But when it comes to college football, Kirk Herbstreit was talking, and he mentioned the fact that there's a he doesn't think that there's going to be a 2020 college football or pro NFL season. Is that like – was that like – like I'm trying to think of a word right now of, to compare it, to say it, but it's like – do you think that was a little bit too scare tactics-esque to try and say, hey, there's going to be no college football at this rate because of the fact there there's not going to be a serum for 12 to 18 months? Or was that kind of just like he threw that out there as a hypothetical? It, 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 it's very weird the fact that he said no college football or NFL season in his mind is going to happen. Yeah, it was very weird. I, I think that is probably – like I think he may be getting ahead of things in the sense, like I kind of approach it like this. You know, you, you know, we just kind of talked about it that you know, look how much things have changed in two weeks. And I think optimist. I try to be optimistic about this, and because you know, the news cycle has just kind of been sad. It's been depressing every day. It's been the same thing. But maybe in two months, things are better. 
And, you know, you see Greg Sankey and, and some of the other commissioners, they've tried to be pretty optimistic about it as well. I think the plan is to play the full season. You know, if, by July, by August, I think, you know, we'll have a much better sense of where things are. You know, there have been some contingency plans thrown out there that maybe the season is only conference games, maybe the season starts with no fans. I don't think the idea of moving college football to the summer is a realistic idea. So I think it was a little bit, um, you know, way ahead of things at this point. But, you know, in a sense, you know, as some have suggested, maybe the best messengers for this are, are guys like Ed Orgeron, Nick Saban, Dan Mullen, Kirby Smart. If people don't stay at home and social distance, we won't have a college football season. So I think it was a little bit ahead, and, and I like I say, I try to be optimistic about this, and fingers crossed we will get a full 2020 season. I'm in about the same boat, Steve. I say, I mean, I would think the the absolute like best case scenario from personally for me is you push it back two weeks. I think that would be the best case scenario. Push it back two weeks, and everything else goes according to plan because you want to give these guys extra time to make up for that spring practice that spring practices that they missed out on LSU. I think they were a week into practice and then everything had to be dropped. You have that kind of situation. You push things back a couple weeks. You can have your media days and whatnot, but as soon as those media days are over, you're immediately going out there. You're thrust out into the world. Training camp starts then and y'all and y'all roll and y'all get things done. That way y'all can start a couple weeks weekends behind, but you're still there. Yeah, you know, something else that was brought up to me is that, you know, a lot of teams in the past, in, in recent years, you know, you didn't have any kind of workouts during the summer. You know, you showed up in August, and by the end of August, September, teams were ready to go. And certainly training and, and, and all this, the science behind it has changed a lot to suggest that, you know, you need the time off and, and teams can monitor and all that. I think we, we started to see that conferences have suggested maybe some OTA-style workouts for July, and maybe the timetable for kind of fall camp gets moved up. Maybe we have a, a week where there's two, work, two weeks of working out in July, teams report for fall camp, things start on time. You know, I think we've seen, you know, the season could move back a week or two in theory. You know, some of the bowl games would be pressed, but you, know, you wouldn't have a, a, a week to prepare. Maybe you'd only have a couple games. It would just be you know, a couple days. It would just be like a regular season week. If you're going to the, you know, the New Orleans Bowl, your, your season would finish on a Saturday and you get ready uh, the next Saturday to play the bowl game. So you know, I think there's a lot of room to maneuver in the schedule to where I'm not worried yet about the 2020 season and what could transpire. I just think it's some, you know, we're still, it's, it's only March and by the end of May, we may get a different story. So optimistically, I think we'll get the 2020 season in, and and we'll hopefully, and we'll see where that goes. Talk right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, and kind of getting one more in about him, uh, the future of college football as we know it, and just if if in the event the 2020 season gets canceled, this is something that I kind of thought about. Is I'm going to use UL Monroe as an example, Steve, because they're closer to us, and I feel like. Right here, right now, the way the, their state of the union is, I wouldn't be surprised if the college football season doesn't happen in 2020 because we all know college football is king when it comes to overall revenue for a lot of the programs across this great country of ours. That could very well be the death knell for a lot of athletics programs, at least from a Division One level. Am I wrong there? You're absolutely right. 
Uh, I mean, you, you, you're already starting to see that. The, the revenue from the NCAA tournament is lower. You know, I think it's going to be paid out, you know, about you know, $300 million less from overall NCAA revenue. That's a huge hit for smaller conferences. It's a huge hit for Division Two, II, Division Three. Um, so a season without football is going to drastically impact some of these budgets. And, you know, it could really impact, let's just say, we only get eight games in. How does that impact the coaching carousel for 2021? Do teams are, are teams reluctant to make a move? It's not just you know the revenue from TV and, and fans and attendance and all that. I mean, you have to worry about donations if the economy isn't going as well too. So there are, I think, a lot of administrators that are concerned right now about just the the money, the revenue, and, and all that going forward. And and that's why I think. Looking down the road to August, September, October, the revenue generated by college football is so significant that I think all the NCAA, the conferences, coaches, everybody wants to get that season in and get it in as safely as possible because of that revenue and how much they're going to need to to operate those budgets. So, I mean, I think as as fans, we should all be worried about the 2020 season just because it's really an unknown, and it is a possibility. But at the same time, I think every effort is going to be made uh, to get the season in 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 some capacity. And, Steve, you know, one of the things that I've been kind of just banting about over the course of the show is an idea of the biggest what-ifs in college football. What's one, like, what-if, or better yet, the idea was if then, what like what's the biggest what if in college football in your mind? You know, I go back to last season. What happens if Joe Burrow doesn't come to LSU? I mean, where is LSU as a program right now? Did Alabama win the SEC again, or did Georgia finally get over the hump and beat Alabama? I think in in just recent college football history, I am fascinated by realignment. Uh, what would have happened? had the Pac-12 got Texas, got Oklahoma. It's the Pac-16 at that point. And, you know, what happens to the rest of the Big 12? Do we have 16-team super conferences in the Big 10, SEC, and ACC? So, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting historical what-ifs with transfers and realignment and, you know, injuries, you know, to a last season. Would Alabama have made the playoffs? So, you know, those are a few that, that I kind of think about in, in recent years as far as what-ifs in college football. And you, you brought up the Joe Burrow thing perfectly. That's kind of what I talked about over the last half hour is what if Jim, if Jimbo Fisher went to LSU at the end of the 2015 season or better yet, after the 2015 regular season ended and Les Miles was fired after that Texas A&M game where he was carted off, by, where he's carried on the shoulders of his players, what, does Joe Burrow go to LSU? I don't think he does. And, you know, that's just, you know, kind of just my personal opinion. I don't think he would have. And I think at that point LSU probably would have had a different solution at quarterback. And not to mention, I mean, what happens if Tom Herman is LSU's coach and not at Texas right now? I mean, Texas did not have a great 2019 season after looking like they were back in 2018. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think if, you know, things would be a lot more interesting in the quarterback carousel had Joe Burrow not gone to – 
uh, you know, or Jimbo Fisher not ended up at LSU, but also, you know, what if Joe Burrow didn't get hurt in, at the end of the spring at, at Ohio State, too? What if he just wins the starting job and he's the quarterback for the Buckeyes? There, there's so many interesting dominoes that could have played out over the last couple of years with Joe Burrow and, of course, now likely the number one pick in the NFL draft. I like that a lot, Steve. I like the fact that we were kind of volleying it around at this point. But I've got one more for you. It's more lighthearted. Definitely far from what we've been talking about over the last like 15 minutes. What have you been doing to kind of fill that void? I know y'all are probably still working on the college football preview magazine that's going to be hopefully coming out down the line. But what have you been kind of doing to fill the time where there's no college basketball tournament, there's no baseball opening weekend right now? What have you been doing to kind of fill that void? Well, as a very sad Pittsburgh Pirates fan, I, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the not having games may be good for my uh, my uh, you know enthusiasm for the baseball season right now. But you know, I think it's it's interesting. We are full steam ahead on our magazine. We are scheduled to release it on you know mid May. Hopefully, it'll be in our online store a little bit earlier this year for the fans. But for, for me, really, um, you know, we've just been plugging away. I, I think as far as kind of filling the void, I've been just kind of watching some old games every now and then, um, you know, from college football this season um, and, and previous years. The, the YouTube has been getting a workout on my computer <laughs> just watching some old games. What's been the one game you've watched the most lately, Steve? You know, I, w- I want to go back and w- I wanted to watch LSU-Alabama again because just seeing Joe Burrow and Tua um, for, you know, four, you know, four quarters duking it out, pass for pass, I wanted to watch that one one more time. In a historical sense, you know, I, I-, I watched Texas and USC again just because seeing Vince Young run to the corner, score the touchdown, win the national title for Texas – you know, it's been a few years since I've seen that game, and just remembering the talent that was on the field, how good Vince Young was, um, it, it was just one of those games that kind of sticks with you and is probably one of the better national championships that, that we've had in some time. Personally, I've been watching the LSU-Alabama game, the LSU-Clemson game, pretty much on a loop because of the fact that one like I've been trying to find other games in particular, like um, uh, the Cajuns-Texas A&M game from back in 96, but those those games are hard to come by. Steve, it's amazing to see how much has been lost kind of to the ether of VHS and the conversion of it. We haven't seen those games pop up as much on the YouTube, or maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places. No, you're absolutely right. You know, that's that's one of my frustrations kind of as a college football fan is like, why is the entire like 1999 SEC season not playing on the SEC network on a random Wednesday? I mean, give me all the Mississippi State, Arkansas, JP, 1130. The Jefferson Pilot games, yes. Yeah, give me all those games. I will watch those all day. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm having a little trouble finding some of the like the, the, ni- the mid-90s games I want to watch, too. So I'm going to keep looking because, you know, we are going to have a lot of time once we get this magazine done, and I'll have a lot of time to review. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Steve, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road, hopefully, when we do have college football in our lives. Hey, Clint, it sounds great. Everybody stay safe out there. I'll talk to you soon. All right, that was Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, and I have to agree with him. Stay safe out there and stay the hell at home. And I saw this pop up yesterday about him. Uh, it was before John Bell Edwards' press conference on Friday, and he had a on 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 their screen, "Stay home, y'all." I'm waiting for them to put "Stay the star, 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 four stars at home," basically to say, "Hey, stay the bleep home." 
Like I think that's where whenever that happens, that's when you really get concerned. We'll take a quick timeout. Come back. One last take to wrap up the show. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. My last take for today is the NBA just needs to cancel the season, in my mind. And I'll tell you why. Because of the fact that one of the big things that everybody's been talking about is Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Patient Zero, a lot of different players in the NBA all contracted COVID-19. That causes a big problem, and it's a butterfly effect. I think you cancel the season. You just cancel it, move on. You don't play any more games. I was listening this morning on my way in, Evan Roberts, WFAN, mentioning, oh, hey, they should just play it in Vegas and play it in an empty arena. I don't even think that's the best situation. Just cancel the season, move on, and get ready for October. That's where we're at right now. Play without a champion. I'm sorry. That's just the way the world needs to be because of the fact you just don't know what could happen? Do you want the season to end in like September, October, and then start a season two weeks later? Hell no. So I say wrap it up, B, and send it home. And I'm about to send it home. That was my take, short, sweet, to the point, because it went a little bit long with Steve Lassen, but I'm more than glad about that because we got Astros baseball, a special re-air of the Oakland A's. home. The Astros home opener against the Oakland A's. It's coming up in just a little bit. You're listening to Under the Dome. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Oh yeah, kick it!